Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roka Report podcast in association with the Southern Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back today to chat about Sunderland's game against our old foes Wigan Athletic in the Championship this weekend. We managed to win, thank God, just about. And uh, join me today to chat all about the game. First of all, Phil West. Hi, mate. Hi, Gav. And also with us is Martin Wanless for the first time in a few weeks. Hi, Martin. Hello, mate. How's everybody today? Are we are we feeling refreshed? Are you are you both? Relieved. Up the height. Relieved yes. more than yeah. relieved. Yeah, very, very relieved. Yeah. Big three points, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> Relief is the over overarching feeling, isn't it? That we managed to just get the, the job done against yeah. We'll go we'll dive straight into the game, Martin, were you? Um I mean, what were you expecting when it came to, to this fixture? Were you because I think we we all understood the magnitude of it, right? I mean, it hasn't actually been taught a lot about after the game, but had we not won this game, the mood would have been very, very different, wouldn't it? We haven't, we haven't won in a few. You know, Charlie White getting on the score sheet. Imagine if that stayed one nil. I mean, we will come to the goals and stuff. But how were you feeling about this game generally coming into it? I was nervous. I have to say, I um, you know, you, you watched the game last week against Swansea, and that first half was probably the worst forty-five minutes we played all season. You you mm-hmm. put that. Uh, yes, we had a good second half against Swansea, didn't we? But like we, we obviously had a defeat. We'd not scored any goals in the last two games at the Stadium of Light. Drawn nil nil against Blackpool, drawn nil nil against Preston. Hadn't really looked like scoring that much. No, we had a few a few half decent um, efforts, but goals looked like they're gonna be hard to come by. And I, I was thinking about this game, you know, Wigan have got a bloody good away record. I think they had the best away record in the football league before yeah. before yesterday. You you got the the striker problems that we've we've got, and we're trying to figure out a solution to to scoring goals. You've got all of those Sunderland ex Sunderland forwards coming back to the stadium of light, and you hmm. just, you, you kind of think this is only going to go one way. Yeah, I I'd predicted nil nil before the game. I thought I I just can't see us scoring, and even at half time yesterday, I was like, I just can't see where we're going to get a goal from. But hey, look, we we managed to pull it round and. You know, as bad as the first half was against Swansea, I thought the second half yesterday was, you know, getting close to, if not our best sort of performance of the season, because I thought we were fantastic. Yeah. What were your overall feelings on everything, Phil, just sort of before the game, during the game, after the game, in terms of how things ebbed and flowed? 
Well, it wasn't season-defining for me. You know, I know that a lot of people were saying that, you know, it was a crunch fixture and, you know, we could be, you know, we were looking over our shoulders if the game hadn't gone our way, etc., etc. But I wouldn't say it was season-defining, but the importance of the game yesterday for me was just to kind of ease any tension that was building, calm any nerves after the kind of the, the rocky patch that we've hit in terms of form. You know, we hadn't scored for in the last two home games against, you know, Blackpool and Preston. So I think it was important in terms of just managing to get everybody calmed down, get things back on track again. Um, and, you know, obviously there was, as Martin said there, there was the kind of the subplot there of the reunion with the ex-Sunderland players, you know, McLean, and he's always going to be the boo boy, and you had Waiku left us, etc., etc. But I have to say, I, I was confident that we would get the job done, you know, I, I was confident that the players would respond. The first half, which I'm sure we'll touch on in, in a while, the first half was, we, I think we can try to kind of drag us into a bit of a League One style war of attrition, really, you know, it was very stodgy, there was a lot of time waste, and they were trying to spoil the game with you know, slowing down tactics, etc., etc. Um, and obviously when White scored, you're thinking, oh, here we go, we've seen this movie again, you know, the ex-Sunderland player comes back and scores against us. But as, as Martin said, I thought the second half, they came out, you know, and we absolutely battered them in the second half, you know, it was it was yeah. a fantastic performance. And yeah, it, it was important to get the win, just to get everybody calmed down, you know, ease any tension. And, you know, the, the nature of the table, Gav, is such that it's so congested in that kind of mid-area of the table. One win can propel you right back into the into the, the kind of upper echelons of the table. And I was looking at it last night. We're only five points off the summit of the table, which is incredible. You know, you, you think yeah. about what we've gone through recently, only five points off the top at this stage is fantastic. So, yeah, it was a big win, without a doubt. Oh, it was huge. And, I, and I'm, I mean, you know, going into the game, the narratives were already written, you know, Charlie White's playing, Max Power's playing, Nathan Broadhead's playing. It could have went sour and... Thankfully, it didn't. I mean, to be fair to Tony Mowbray and Martin, he picked a team, didn't he, that was pretty ambitious. Like, I, I was expecting to see maybe um, Matetti come in, but he went with players that, you know, he, he's trusted a lot in recent weeks. Dan Neal and Elton Embleton in particular. People, people would have dropped those. You know, I, I was probably in favour of Embleton coming out, had his best game in a long time. Dan Neal was excellent, had his best game in a long time. You know, he, he's... One thing with Mowbray, he gives players second chances, doesn't he? He, he's, he? he won't just drop somebody after a little poor run of form. There's obviously a word in the yeah, and then a, he's waiting for a reaction. That's his style of management. But it was a brave team selection, wasn't it? Because he could have picked a totally different side, really. It was very brave. And look, Corey Evans would have started if he'd been available. So you, you take him out of the side. You're not only losing the type of player he is in terms of that holding midfielder who gets stuck in, you're also losing your captain and a very influential player um, on the field for, for the for the team. So to to not replace, not actually directly replace him, I, I thought Matete is guaranteed to come in. And if it wasn't Matete, it would be Barr. I thought one of those two definitely... Who wasn't even in. on the bench. He wasn't even on the bench, was he? <laughs> so I thought one of those two yeah. were definitely guaranteed to come in and play alongside, play alongside Dan Neal. I think Elliot Embleton's been really off form in the past few weeks. Now we've had him off off the, the start in the 11 straight away for for the game yesterday and obviously it's it's a good job I'm not picking the team because he as you say he had his best game and he was, he was playing a bit of a deeper role wasn't he he was kind of dropping in alongside Dan Neal and he was getting on the ball and he, he was yeah. really dictating play for a lot of the um, a lot of the good spells of possession that we had just to butt in on that the Swansea game last week we, you know we talked about this a little bit in that you know that's the type of game where them players don't thrive this game where we knew we know what Max Power's about. Mm. That's the game where, like, Anil and Embleton, when they get on the ball, it can be dangerous, can't they? No, they can. All right. I think Embleton was lucky to be be still on the pitch after twenty odd minutes, <laughs> wasn't he? I um, 
I thought yeah. there's a, a red card was certainly coming. I think Tony Mowbray thought so as well because he he was stood there with his hands on his head. As soon as that, that tackle flew in. <laughs> he does that for everything, though. That's the only thing. I pointed this out to me mate at the match. I says, watch Mowbray whenever we do it's anything. It's a de- default stance, he, like, he, isn't he, it? it? Everything's <laughs> devastating. He caught me out the other week. I can't remember who we played now. But Roberts got tackled on the byline right in front of him. Yeah. And Mowbray puts his head in his hands and goes to his knees on the floor as if he's just seen a leg break. And honestly, <laughs> I thought, Jesus, this must be bad. And it wasn't. It was just his sort of default stance. <laughs> No, it was, it was an interesting team selection. Obviously, we went back to a, a back three rather than back four that we've we've been playing for the last few weeks. Serkin came back into the into the side. Obviously, he pushed Elise up as a wing back, didn't he? I don't think it really worked. He does love to get forward, doesn't he? But it's just a you know tell you what, he hasn't really got. That I, th- I think he looked class at centre half. To be fair, I think he's been one of our best players in recent weeks. He's yes. been absolutely fantastic. And I thought it was really interesting to, to see that change at half-time with um, Gucci's injury when more to a back four, didn't we? Yeah, it's interesting though because I'd said before the game, go to a back three because I don't think a back four's worked in the last few weeks. It's and I was I, I was in favour of I was in favour of Elise coming in at left wing back, but yeah, I mean it was worth trying because we've seen in the last few weeks where Elise he has looked good going forward, so he's probably looked at it and thought, well, before Serkin's injury, yeah. he was very good as a left centre half, so. It's difficult to to try and work out really what to do, but I, th- I thought he got. I think he got it right. It's just the problem was it didn't work. <laughs> well, he didn't. You know, we we predicted or tried to predict the team before the game every week on the website, and I thought he'd go to a back three or a back five because he'd made the comment during the week that opposition managers after they've we've played them have been saying to him, oh, "Look, we've just been focused on on stopping your wingers because you've you've got the danger down the the flanks." So that combined with Wigan playing three at the back, I thought we'd match them up and we'd try to play a little bit more centrally in the attacking third, which we we kind of we kind of did to a to some extent, although Roberts was very, very wide. Clark was pretty anonymous in, in the first half, wasn't he? But um yeah, well, mm. it wasn't a surprise. I didn't think it was the wrong team selection. I just don't think it worked as well as it could have done in the first half. No, but then like like uh, Martin says, Phil, we we work things out in the second half and stuff. But I actually thought first half We'll work through the action here, but I thought first half we played all right. Yeah, the second half was a lot better, but I mean, take Wyke's goal out of consideration when you can like they they done nothing to that point. I actually thought Sunderland were all right first half. Yeah, I thought we started really well. Thought the tempo was good. First fifteen minutes were excellent, and then around about the fifteen minute mark, Wigan started doing exactly what we thought they'd do. They started wasting time, slowing down, pretending they were injured. You know, taking the time on every throw in, every goal kick. We we've come to expect this in the last few years at the Stadium of Light. It's the default tactic of nearly every team, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. I thought we were all right in that first sort of half an hour, especially. I don't really think at any point I felt Wigan were were going to get something, and then it, the goal came out of nowhere, obviously. But in terms of Sullen's performance, I don't know what you think, but I I was pretty happy with it actually going into the break. Yeah, I mean, as I said earlier, it was it was I think our performance was kind of I wouldn't say it was kind of um made to look different by the way Wigan played, but I ju- I just felt that they were, you know, that Wigan as you said, they were definitely coming there with a game plan to try and kind of stifle us from playing what is our natural game, which is moving the ball quickly um and, and, and knocking it about. But yeah, you know, in retrospect, I think you know, despite the fact that it was a, I, I didn't particularly enjoy the first half, I, I do think Sunderland actually, you know, they played quite well. I mean, we we were speaking on Friday night on the Friday night live on Twitter Spaces, weren't we, about how 
we would approach the game in terms of tactics and you know how we were going to try and play. Should we be a bit more direct or should we try and play our natural game? In the first half, we stuck to our guns. You know, we stuck to our our the way we our natural way of play. And um, I thought Roberts, by the way, was absolutely fantastic all afternoon. He was he was unplayable Superb, at times. I thought he looked he looked up for it. You know, he was a player who really kind of grasped that name by the scruff of the neck and said, "Look." We can win this thing. We've just got to do what we do best. So, yeah, as you said, Gav, you know, I thought Wigan were absolutely dreadful. If I'm being perfectly honest with you, they offered absolutely nothing. You know, they were they were slowing the game down. And but the thing is, is that you know we found out during the league one years that you've got to be patient in those situations. And again, we stressed that on Friday night, didn't we? Patience, yeah. discipline. You know, not not trying to force it, just working the ball, trying to create openings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But obviously, when White scores at the towards the end of the first half. You're thinking, oh, you know, because it was a real sucker punch at that point. You know, you don't want to concede at that stage of the game just before half time, and it was a kind of the sense of, oh, here we go again, type of thing. You know, it's it's another it's another repeat of a scenario that we've seen before. But yeah, I, th- I thought, you know, the first half it was again it was something we've seen quite regularly, loads of attacking intent, but we just didn't have that final product. So yeah, I, th- I think to be fair, I think that you know, looking back on it, it was a pretty decent first half from us, without a doubt. I didn't think we're going with that. That bad, like they play awful football, but they were, yeah. they were really well structured and well drilled. And they, you know they've got the three up front, and the rest of the team was just pretty much set up to contain us and see if the the three up front could do something. Weren't they? So I actually think I I, I understand what you're saying in, in terms of Wigan being <laughs> crap to watch, but in terms of a, a football team set up to get results away from home, it's effective, very, it's very effective. effective. Yeah. So Phil Patrick Roberts, he was. Brilliant, as we said. It was great to see him take on McLean because McLean's a good player at this level. He has been a decent player his whole career, really. But Roberts, he was outstanding all day, wasn't he? I think every time he got the ball, he just knew what to do, which was to try and get down that right-hand side of McLean and run at him. They've obviously seen that's a weak point for him. Um, But Roberts just... I mean, even when he was surrounded because they were trying to double up on him, sometimes they were tripling up on him. And Roberts just... Came away with the ball every time, looked very dangerous. The only thing that was really missing from his game was the finish at the end of it, which was pretty much the story of the first half, wasn't it? I think we had a number of opportunities that he was involved in where we just couldn't stick the ball away. But that was Roberts at his best, wasn't it? Oh, without a doubt. And I think that, you know, he showed yesterday that that kind of big game mentality that, that he has, you know, I think he really brought that yesterday and he really, really did. As I said earlier, he really grasped the game. And it was as if he said to his teammates, look, lads, you know, we know we're a better football inside and then we've just got to be patient. We do what we do and eventually we'll, we'll get our rewards. So, yeah, I mean, what Roberts has, he's got he's got kind of Alex Pritchard's ability to get himself out of trouble, even in the even in confined spaces. You know, he'll, he'll shuffle the ball, he'll create space where there isn't any and he'll just turn it on and he'll get away from his marker. So, yeah, I thought he was fantastic and I was, because I, I, I was sitting on his side of the pitch in the first half when he was going down the, down the wing and every time he got the ball, as you said, you know, he, he had McLean really, really worried Um and that's what Roberts can bring. You know, he looks to be getting more consistent now. You know, I think under Mowbray, he really is starting to thrive. And I think, I said a few weeks ago that I think Mowbray really trusts the flair players like Patrick Roberts. Um, and I think you're seeing that in his performances. I think he's rewarding his, his boss's faith. He's really influential. He's, he's he's bringing leadership as well through his on-pitch, what he's doing on the field as well. So, yeah, mm-hmm. he was fantastic yesterday. Gav, such a key player for us. He wasn't the only one, though, Martin, was he, in the first half who, who played... Decent. Like we tried to keep the ball under. I'm not saying that we were we were outstanding. For second half we were outstanding. But I thought first half you could see us trying to get back to more like the way we like to play. And 
Mowbray after that last week's game, I didn't agree with him actually when he said, um, you know, he, he was debating on how to play against Swansea and he felt as though that the way to, to do it was to just play the way we normally play. I thought that was probably the wrong time to try and do that. But in this game, you know, it was very much more of the same in that case. It was like, well, I'm going to play me ball players. I'm going to try and keep the ball in the deck. Pritchard had his best game for a long time. Embleton, like we said earlier, had his best game for a long time. Neil playing in that role where you would normally have Corey Evans did all right, did very well, kept the ball moving. Um, even passing out from the back, we looked a little bit better. With Circan coming into the team, we were a little bit more solid. It was just a all-round better half of football, wasn't it, from us than we've had in the last couple of weeks. I think we played well, and there was a there was a confidence about the team, which was was quite impressive, given that we're coming off the back of you know, a, a defeat away at Swansea in a couple of games at home where we haven't scored. And I think everything, I think the, the team played well in the first half. I think the, the left flank was the, the area of the pitch that didn't click in the first half. Roberts did a hell of a lot of good work down the, down the right-hand side. And as you see, Embleton and Neil Pritchard sort of linked up well with him and created space to, um, to let him attack. It was one of those games, though, wasn't it? Like, we, we played really, really well up until... We got to the sort of twenty-five yards out from from goal, and you know Roberts mm. had a few shots that went wide. Clark had a shot that that went wide, and I, I was just if if we'd had any of the three Wigan forwards up front for us, we'd have been two 0 up at half time because we were just missing that play yeah. to stretch the the game a bit when it needs stretching to hold the ball up when we needed to hold up to press the last line of of defence. Mind, I think Roberts scored a, a goal which. You know, I've I've seen a few replays. Yeah, and I can't yeah. tell if it's offside or onside. So how the hell the linesman did? When I was at I the game, know. at the game, I didn't think it was off. Um, and we'll come on to the referee, I think, in a bit, and the officials. But <laughs> it was a poor decision. Yeah, and, and we we did try though. We did try to break the lines. It was no, like you know what what we didn't what we probably didn't do enough of Martin is like too much. <laughs> the only way to say it is that we're fanning on too much, like around the box. Just well, yeah. too many touches, too many touches inside the box, not getting it in there early enough. I mean, the, the second half, we done the opposite and we got goals. The first half, it was, it was a bit too much going on. There's a couple of aspects to it, isn't, isn't there? So there's one, I think Chris mentioned on the pod a week or two ago about, you know, Ross Stewart's absence just misses that stretch where he, he'll get on the last man and give us 10 yards to, to play in or behind him. And that creates a little bit of space. So everything mm-hmm. that we were doing yesterday was coming, it was very compact in their sort of final third. And yeah, we the, the players aren't naturally, the attacking players aren't naturally making the runs that a striker would make into space to either take a defender away or to create a chance for themselves. So they're, they're having to look for that extra pass to try to play one, two to get themselves in. And I think that's, that's where yeah. we're missing that centre, proper centre forward who can do that sort of job because we're playing really well up until we get to, to 20 yards out, 25 yards out. But we, we kind of get up there as a group. Whereas, yeah. you know, to, to, you know, a lot of the goals that we've scored, um, you know, second half of last season and this season before Stuart's injury, the game has been a bit, bit more stretched. So I think that's where we're kind of missing yeah. out. And that's why we're getting those situations where we're probably overplaying because we have to try to create that yard of space to get shot in. Yeah, there was a handful of times, especially in the first half, where we just, like I say, we had too many touches in the box. And I remember turning to my mate at one, but I think it might have been after Clark or Roberts had had a, had a, a slight opportunity. I was like, you know, if that's Ross Stewart, he doesn't take four touches, he takes one. Well, that's and it's it. a shot. There was a, a ball, the that, a free kick that Pritchard put in the first half 
absolutely beautiful ball went in between the goalkeeper and the um, the line of the wing yes. defence. Yeah. And if somebody had been gambling there, they had a tap in. But we were all a little yeah. bit yeah. flat-footed. We didn't gamble on it. And we had a few situations like that in the second half where, again, we're not kind of anticipating the ball coming in, which, you know, it's not the it's not the likes of Jack Clark or Pritchard or, or Robert's natural game to, to anticipate those, is it? But that's where we're really missing that, that goal-scoring instinct. Yeah, but like you say, Phil, we, we were trying to carve them open. And then Martin rightly says we, we were just missing that presence around the box. But... It's I guess at this stage now that the, the players have had enough time sort of ignore the second half a little bit, but they've had enough time between the the period when Sims got injured at Redden and now to work out, right, we have to do this, we have to do we have to stop taking so many touches when we do get it's I know it's an instinct thing, but these are all still good footballers, you know, and and I don't know how Mowbray really coaches that out of them. It's difficult, isn't it, to really I think I think we we saw in the second half the way we should probably go when it comes to trying to score goals while we don't have a striker. Yeah. But in that first half, we saw the other side of it, which was just too much, too much. We're not not the, the the football wasn't simplistic enough when we were getting around the box when we just needed somebody to put their foot through it and take one touch out their feet and shoot. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. happening. And I mean, it's difficult for Mowbray, isn't it? How do you really coach that out of players who aren't, aren't used to it? It's, it's tough, isn't it? It is. It's very tricky, Gavin. You know, the thing is, you know, we all rave about Ross Stewart's all-around ability, but one thing he is so, so good at is he's, he's he's such an economical striker. As you've said, you know, one touch, two touch, bang. And invariably, you know, eight times out of ten, it's in the back of the net. And we are missing that at the minute. But, you know, as, as you rightly said, that, that we've, we've been without Stewart now for enough time and without Sims as well. For the players to kind of have to realise that we've got a we've got a grasp of the net on here. Ross is out, Ellis is out. You know we've got to kind of you know find it within ourselves to get those to make up for what they're they're not bringing at the moment. So it it is tricky, and you know in the first half particularly, you know there was it, all the interplay was good. It was you know we were really moving the ball quite well. But again, there's a time to do that, and there's a time to just get it in there. And as Martin said, someone needs to be gambling, which obviously you know the goals was kind of a result of that, which we'll come on to. You know, in the in the first half, I think they were a bit reluctant to do so. And as you said, Gav, it is an instinct thing. You know, being a natural finisher, in my opinion, is something you've got or you haven't. I'm not too sure whether you can really coach that into somebody. Um, you know, I think there's a difference between having an eye for a goal and having an instinct for the goal. You know, Jack Clark's got an eye for a goal. Is he an instinctive finisher? Probably not. So there is a bit of a difference there. But again, would you, we, we just got to have to, we just got to deal with it. And as, in the second half, we did. So you know. Again, patience, I think, was the watchword yesterday. And to be fair, it, it did pay off for them in the end. It's an interesting thing, isn't it, when you look at how we've done without Stewart and, and Sims, because you, you know, Mowbray has talked about us needing to find different ways of scoring and the players having to take responsibility to, to get shots yeah. away and you know, take responsibility to get in the box and all that sort of stuff. But if you have a look at the last four games, right? Home to Preston, we had two shots on target. Home to Blackpool, we had four shots on target. Away at Swansea, we had two shots on target. And yesterday against Wigan, we had three shots on target. So it's not as if we're, we're peppering the, the goal from here, there and everywhere. We're trying to work. It seems to me we're trying to work that perfect chance at tap in. To, you know, and both the goals that we scored yesterday were, what, six, seven yards out tops. So we're, we're trying yeah. to work yeah. in those situations where we're not taking the risk. And I think, you know, you know it doesn't look like Stewart's going to be back anytime soon, certainly not until the um, the World Cup. So... I'd really like to see us over the next few weeks. You know, I think we've got six games before the the break for the for the World Cup, and you know the six games there which we should be get or we could get a decent haul of points. And I think if if we start taking a few more chances rather than as Gav said overplaying it 
and trying to look for that extra pass. Somebody's just got to take responsibility and get a few shots in. Yeah. And we've got to test the keeper. We've got to follow up. I know it's basic stuff, but like, we're not doing that aspect of, of the attacking at the minute. I mean, you I'm know. convinced that Tony Mowbray has probably said to the players, look, lads, you're going to have to share the goal score responsibilities around you. And he's probably looking at his defenders saying, look, lads, I need you to chip in with a couple. He's probably looking at the likes of Elliot Embleton and Dan Neal saying, look, lads, if you can get on the score sheet a couple of times, that's going to be a big help. So I think collective responsibility is something that the players are really going to have to embrace, Martin. As you said, with Stewart out until the foreseeable future, Sims is on the comeback train, which is good. You know, that, that'll give us something when he comes back. But the, the players have to... Step up now, and, and to be fair, that's what they did in the second half. So we do need to see more of that, you know, over the next couple of weeks, without a doubt. We'll come on to the the goals in a bit, I guess, because you know what we saw, especially with the Embleton goal, was more of what I want to see. Um, yeah. But before the half played out, <laughs> the inevitable happened. Wigan, who'd never <laughs> done anything really in the first half, I mean, to me, they came for a point really, and if they were going to score a goal, it was going to be a goal exactly like that, just against the run of play. I've watched it back a few times. I mean, it's a good goal. I'm just wondering what we could have done better to prevent that happening. I think O'Nian, maybe, you know, he steps out a bit rash, doesn't he, and comes to the ball, broadhead, quick feet, nips it away, and the, the action, the goal sort of results from that, but there's a lot more went into it. Is, is there anything we could have really done about that, do you think? I think, I think as you said, Gav, O'Neill just maybe holding it a little bit more and not not kind of getting drawn out there as quickly. I think that's the Achilles heel of O'Neill's game. And we saw at the Middlesbrough game, if you remember the goal that they scored, that was a result of O'Neill just being caught positionally out of you know out of position a little bit. Um, and it was the same yesterday. So probably not a great deal more we could have done. I just like to see O'Neill in that situation just kind of hold his ground a little bit more. Um, but I mean, it was a good finish. You know, that White took that fin- he, he, he finished it really, really well. But it was just one of those classic goals where you think, oh, you know, just a moment of slackness. And then, bang, you're 1-0 down. So just just one of those unfortunate moments, really, mm-hmm. I felt. It was inevitable White would score, wasn't it, Martin? Or at least one of them. I'm, I'm, I'm kicking myself and not putting money on it. Because <laughs> you just knew. It's all everybody was talking about before the game in the pub, in, in the sort of the stand before kickoff. Oh, God, one of them's going to score. Aren't they? And, it, and it was inevitable. I mean, all... I think it was Broadhead passed it to McLean who crossed it in yeah. and it sort of deflected to Wyke and it was great. So all, all three of them had a part in it. It was just missing a max power towel, wasn't it? To <laughs> he wasn't, but he's, he's always the first one on the scene when there's a celebration to be had, though, isn't <laughs> I it? I tell you what, though. So I, I, I know it's on the fort, photos looking back, he was the first one on the scene. He, he, he likes being on the camera, yeah. <laughs> um, but that um, that finish by Wyke was it was a cracking finish. Like, I, I didn't think yeah, he had that really in him. good. Like the amount of shots he scuffed. left foot as well. I don't. It, it was. It was. A, it was a genuinely. It was a really top class finish. And like you know, the amount of times that we've we've all seen Charlie White play, the ball at his feet finishing isn't actually his, his strong point. You know, he he is an instinctive. Well, he is an instinctive finisher, isn't he? If he has to think about it, he uh, more often than not cocks it up, like we saw in the playoff semi final. But um, it was a lovely finish. Like all credit, we stuck it away well. And look, in all seriousness, it's nice to see him. Great to see him playing. Um, after everything he's, he's been through, isn't it? Because he obviously very um, had, had a hell of a lot of problems over the the past year or so. So um, all all credit yeah. to him, see him on the field, and I think he he got a nice um, round of applause didn't he, when he got taken off. Well, he did, but there was also booze in there as well. It wasn't just that. To be fair, there was a bunch of things really. Um, I don't don't get why you would boo him off. You know, yeah. you know, you've I, I sort of understand giving him a bit of stick while the game's on. Fair stick, right? Yeah. You know, nothing too unsavory. Because he's playing against you, but once he's walking off the pitch, you know, I think it's 
you've got to, you know, I, I did. I applaud them off the pitch. I thought, like, you know, fair play, like, because he could have retired, couldn't he? He could have yeah, went. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want any more of this, you know. And he, he, he's he's worked really hard to get himself back in a position where he's even playing football and to be scoring in the championship. But even but when you, know, you, good you look at his career with us, you can argue all he want about how good he was or, or or not. But he gave everything when he played. He he couldn't. He was never a player you could accuse of of not giving everything for the for the club and putting everything into a performance. So like, there's one thing to have a, a difference of opinion about his ability. But I think if if you had a player who's you know played the heart out for the club, then give him a clap. I mean, there was a perception, yeah. wasn't there, that White did the dirty on us when he left for Wigan, which was just absolute nonsense. You know, White did everything he could for us during that 2021 season. Take White's goals out of the equation. His 31 goals out of the equation. Where do we finish under the in Lee Johnson's first season in charge? You, you dread to think about it. So no, I thought what the reception he got when he walked off. I thought the the applause was fully deserved, and certainly where I was sitting, everybody was really appreciative of him. So that was good to see. Yeah, I think I think at the end of the stage and where I sit, there is a bit of a nugget element. Unfortunately, like it wasn't just that; there was other stuff. People around me were booing them off at half time. We went one nil down on the stroke at half time, and then there's people like boo, top their voice. Something you can see though when you, not just me, but people around, like looking around as if to say. How are you? What? What are you booing <laughs> yeah. them for? You know what I mean? But I guess when there's 37,000 people there, you're going to have the odd idiot, aren't you? It's just yeah. the par for the course. Um, second half, though, we came out after the break. Um, Lyndon Gooch, he obviously got injured in the first half. I thought he was going to go off at one point. Bailey Wright was all stripped off, ready to come on, wasn't he? And he was, then um, yeah. was told to sit back down. But it's interesting how sort of Mowbray's mindset changed from that point because he was prepared to bring a defender on at that point. I guess to move O'Neill out to the right, having gone one nil down just on the stroke at half time, he came back at half time and he and he went more offensive. He brought on Ahmad, who I actually think played well. Phil, I think I think if there were certain moments in attack where we've seen this a few times from Ahmad, where he just he's indecisive, a bit like yeah. what some of the lads were doing in the in the first half, just not adjusting his feet correctly, not being not being clinical. But I think defensively he was brilliant. Like the, yeah. the track and back and the hot, which is actually what you want to see from him. We all know he's got talent or he wouldn't have cost Man United so much money. He's obviously got talent, but is it, it's a case of can when the when the chips are down and you haven't got the ball, can this player dig in and is he prepared to graft for his team? And I actually thought Ahmad done pretty well all round. I thought he you know, I saw a bit more from him in this half of football and we've probably seen to date, and that was would you say his best performance so far for Sunderland? I would say so, yeah. I thought he was excellent. The thing about him, and I, I really do like Ahmad. Let's get this straight. I'm a huge fan of his, and I think he will become a very, very good player for us. What interests me about him, though, is that he is so, so, he looks so, so hesitant in front of goal at times. And you just wonder, is that a confidence issue? Because I think yeah. if he if he, if he he could develop a little bit more of a ruthless streak, if Tony Mowbray can coach him, again, we keep, we keep talking about this, don't we, this, this kind of instinctiveness that, that, that you know strikers need to have. I think Ahmad could become a really good potent goal scorer for us, but he just seems to lack confidence in those key yeah. moments for some reason. No, do, do you know the Do you know the problem is though, Phil? I think is that you can't like Mowbray keeps talking about this. He he's very keen to point this out whenever he talks after games, and he done it again yesterday. He's talking about how we've got all these young lads, and I want to introduce them, but yeah. I don't want to just throw them in and be at the cost of a result. I want to bring them in. I want to, I want to be winning games and supplementing that by giving these lads game time, and I think that's sort of. You know, and varying degrees, different players. That's the problem we've got here. Is Ahmad? He needs a run of games. They all do, yeah. but he's a forward, and for him to be scoring goals and contributing assists and all the rest of it, that's going to come when he gets more minutes and more time on the pitch. 
and like getting a half and then 20 minutes here and 10 minutes there, it's you can't get in any rhythm. Like we saw that with um, with Clark when he first came in to Sunderland. He wasn't starting games necessarily at the start and he was struggling to make an impact. And, and the same with Roberts, actually. I mean, you think back to last season, Roberts only really came into the starting eleven towards the end of the season, didn't he? Yeah. And and then we've seen this season again, Roberts just coming off the bench under Alex Neal. He was struggling to make an impact. Like these types of players, the need to be on the pitch. And unfortunately, we can only pick 11 players. It's like, yeah. what do you do? I mean, I think another player I would put in that bracket is Edward Mishu as well. Now, he came on for his debut against Blackpool. Um, you know, at a time when the game was really getting stretched and the crowd was starting to get a bit, you know, edgy. It was towards the end of the game. It was a rough and tumble game. I think Mishu, for example, is the kind of player who you want to bring on. Ideally, if you've got control of the game, everything's going your way. You know, you, the space is there. You can control it, et cetera, et cetera. But I, just getting back to Ahmad, I, I think, the attitude he showed yesterday and the willingness to really, really do a job for the team was absolutely exemplary. As you said, his tracking back was absolutely fantastic. He really, really came on there. And he was another one who came on and it was as if he said, right, okay, I'm going to do my absolute utmost here to make sure that we secure this result. And I thought his attitude was exemplary. And if he can align that with a little bit more, you know, ruthlessness in front of goal, I think we could have a very good player on our hands. So yeah, definitely his best performance in the Sunderland shirt, in my opinion, yesterday. And then we came, like I say, Martin came out second half and I think we, we took the good elements from the first half and then kicked on a little bit. I don't think Mowbray will have necessarily given them a rocket at half time. I think you'll have just said to them, you know, you're doing things right here, but when we get round that box, you've got to be more clinical. You've got to get the balls in behind. I think what was really interesting was we we, we changed system, didn't we? We went to a back four. But we started seeing the fullbacks coming in at the back post to give us something a bit different. Obviously, we got that goal from from Cirkin later in the half, which we'll come on to. Uh, O'Neill was arriving at the other side, like that. It added a lot to the game actually because we we weren't overplaying around the box anymore. We were sort of getting thirty yards, twenty five yards, thirty yards out from goal and trying to work the ball into dangerous areas, which is what we didn't do in the first half. So we supplemented that with the good play that we sort of seen in the first half and and. It all meshed well, didn't it? And we got the goal fairly early through Elliot Embleton, which was a good move. It was. And I think if you look at the first half, the player went primarily down our right-hand side. And Roberts was cutting in onto his left foot pretty much every time that we, we got into that position um, in that final third on the right-hand side. So in the second half, as you say, we, we saw a big change in, in tactic in terms of the, the two full-backs, Sirkin and 9 I think 9 could well find himself playing right back for... The next few weeks, I think he's probably going to slot in there if um, certainly if Gucci's absent. But both of them were overlapping, getting to the byline, getting crosses in. And the first goal came from Cirkin providing the width and getting the ball in the box to Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was nice to see. It was just good to see us play some decent football. It was a nice move, wasn't it, Phil? We, a couple of short passes around the, the fullback. It's like a very rudimentary training ground goal, actually. It's the type of yeah. goal... We scored quite a lot under um, Lee Johnson. Ironically, with Nathan Broadhead up front, we mm-hmm. it's it's sort of the kind of goal we would score back then. But yeah, it was a nice goal, wasn't it? And it was good to see uh, Emelton Gay's first goal of the season. I think um, when you look at his position, his starting position when he scored the goal, he was obviously nobody picked him up. But it was very much a striker's goal, that. That was sort it of was. hanging back, just waiting around the penalty spot for the ball to arrive. And again, it's something we haven't done enough recently, but maybe this is a corner turned. Yeah, hopefully, because again, you know, as we were saying earlier on, you know, it's important to, you know, take, for players to take that gamble to get into that position. 
you know, on the off chance that the ball is going to be played into you there, and you are you are going to get the chance to, to to get something on it, whether it's a head or a foot or whatever. And M. Bolton did that, you know. And I think there was a more there was more purpose about us in the second half. You know, as you said, Gav, what we did with the second half was, you know, we combined all the good intricate play from the fir- the first half with a bit more urgency to get the ball into those good positions. You know, a, a fraction or two earlier and stretch them a little bit. And that's what we did. And obviously that was what led to M. Button's goal. Great to see him on the score sheet. I thought he played really well, as you said. You know, he was really influential yesterday. I thought it was a much needed performance from him. Um, and yeah, it, it gave us that it gave us that uh, foothold. But I have to say, you know, at the risk of sounding overconfident here, as soon as we scored that first goal, I knew we were going to go on and win the game. I just knew it because you could sense that things were changing the stadium. Everybody's heads were up. Confidence was high again. And again, we just needed to be patient. So it was a crucial time to score. It's credit to Mowbray as well at half time because, as you say, when Gooch went down first of all in the first half, Bailey Wright was stripped to come on and replace him and keep that that shape, wasn't he? So for him to yes, the substitution was forced, but to bring Ahmad on and change the formation, and you know Dan Neal was pretty much alone in midfield, holding the centre midfield, and Ahmad was sort of here, there, and everywhere, wasn't he? It was funny watching Danny Bart as well. He was sort of the only defender at a lot of yeah. Point in that second half. It reminds us a bit of Man City the other week. I was watching them against Copenhagen and they just had one centre half <laughs> and the rest of the team just played in the in the opposition. It was a bit like that. At times I was looking, I was like, we are leaving Bart here on his own quite a lot, but <laughs> it did work. And it was interesting as well, wasn't it? Because we had Elise on the left hand side playing wing back in the first half, and Sirkin was playing the left side of the, the central of defence. And the, he switched them as well, so Sirkin went to full-back. Elise went alongside Bart, and I thought Elise was, was class at centre-half. You know, his, yeah. his pace is there, oh, his yeah. strength's there, he's got good positional play. Like, he, he's going to be a star. So it was really nice to see him in his proper position for 45 minutes, and I think he did really well. And Sirkin showed a, a bit of attacking flair that we didn't see that often from him last season playing left-back. He was a very sort of steady defensive Fullback for us last year, wasn't he? He showed yeah. really good ability going forward, which you kind of wonder, well, was it just tactics last year that we d- we didn't see that? Um, and he has got that in his locker, because if he has, that could be a huge asset for us in the coming weeks. Yeah. I mean, just on Elise, Gav, I mean, you know, when, when he joined us, I remember there was quite a few West Ham fans who were quite unhappy about that, saying, you know, how have you, why have we let this guy go? He's a really good prospect, etc., etc. He has been just unbelievable for us in recent weeks. I mean, in defence, he's just an absolute brick wall. But what I loved about Elise yesterday was that his personality, the way he kind of strode through that game yesterday, head up, shoulders back, dominating his defensive duties. He is a, he is fantastic, and he's going to be a really good signing for us. And again, you know, you know, proof that again that this model of bringing in the young players, you know, not necessarily particularly heralded young players. He was quite unknown, I suppose, when he brought in. But what a job he's done for us. And Sirkin yesterday, immense. Really, really good. And, you know, it's it's, it's so good to see him playing, you know, with his head up and looking positive as well. Because if you remember last season, there were times when he looked a little bit lost, particularly through that kind of December, January, February spell, when he, his form seemed to dip. He looks to be absolutely fantastic now. So, yeah, we've got some really good defensive options. Yeah, It was, it was in, you obviously highlighted a lot of the defence there. And it was interesting to see how Wigan changed things up because they obviously realised they were getting nowhere. I think it was Broadhead down the right-hand side got nothing off Sirkin. He yeah, was out. Sirkin yeah. and Elise, he couldn't get... He, I mean, Broadhead ended up coming off. Um, and then what Wigan did was they, they sort of decided to just bring on a load of big strikers. And then Elise and Bart, in particular, handled them effortlessly. I mean, Elise, you can hardly believe that he has only played about nine or ten senior games of football. Yeah. 
a lot of players have natural ability. A lot of young players who've dropped through the system and end up playing in non-league football have lots of natural ability. It's the the difference sometimes is how quickly do they pick up everything else. And he looks like he's been playing for years. He looks like he's already played 200 games. That's what that's where with him I'm like he's a little bit special this yeah. kid like he's, he's got, got something he's got something yeah. different. Yeah, I mean that big tackle at the end of the game where he just that was class, I, I can't remember who it was now. I think it was but McGinnis. he absolutely leveled someone on the on the left-hand side of the pitch. He came at him at full tilt and I'm thinking if you mistime this by a fraction of a second you're in the book or you're off and he just he absolutely nailed it. Yeah. It was just a Absolutely timed it perfectly. The ball went flying out over the touchline, and everybody rose up. Well, that's what we needed because it was it was it was a thunderous effort at that particular moment, and it just summed up his game for me. That's what we needed at that point as well, because Wigan were just starting to like pile a bit of pressure on in them last yeah. few minutes, and I think the crowd needed that just somebody to go through them and smack the ball into the crowd. And yeah. and it, I mean, it's been said a lot down the years that we celebrate a tackle as much as a goal up here, yeah. but that was what it was like. He, you could see him hairing across. You could see him, he was like, come on then. And he just went, bang, put the bang, ball in the yeah. stand. Whole crowd went mental. And that, I mean, he's, he's loving it, isn't he? Obviously, he's loving playing in this team. And it's If, if we can keep him in Ballard, like, oh, yeah. the two of them could be a bloody cracking centre-half partnership, couldn't they? That, that whole sort of back five, even like, we go through every play, and I guess we will before the end, but like from Patterson, to the, the whole defence really, uh, that played in the second half, were, were outstanding really. And, you know, Wigan's tactic was to bring on a load of big lads, and to be fair, that worked against us because we're not a big team. But we just seemed to handle it. I mean, Magenis came on for them, and Alicia just tossed him around. And he's this—he's like six foot four. He's—he's like a brick shit house, and yeah. he was trying to like back into Alicia and send him. And, and Alicia is just a better footballer than him, and he was—and he knew how to handle him. And Bart was the same alongside him. Bart didn't really look troubled, so it was. That was important in that second half. We knew that if we were going to get a goal, Wigan were going to change the way they played because they played up till that first goal, really. They just wasted time. And it was funny after the first goal, wasn't it, Martin, how that all stopped. You know, the, the <laughs> taking the time on everything, the going down, feigning injury and drying the ball with a towel every time it went out for a throw-in and all these little things that they obviously decided that was the way they were going to frustrate Sunderland. It all went out the window as soon as we scored. And... That's the that's the make of a, I guess how a team adjusts during a game is is to me is the make of a good team like Sunderland. We were getting beat. You just said it yourself. Mowbray went. I'm going to bring an attacker on. I'm going to change the shape. We're going to go for it. Wigan's manager's mindset was obviously very negative. We're going to try and get a point. We're going to try and frustrate them. If we do win, it'll be through nicking a, a goal or two at various points in the game. It, when that works, great. When that works, brilliant. You know, yeah. Sunderland have dominated the game, but we've we've scored a we scored a goal at the end of the half. If we can frustrate them for the rest of the second half, that's a good three points. But when we get a goal back, them tactics go out the window. What do you do? It doesn't work, does it? And we saw how frustrated Wigan were. I was gutted for Nathan Broadhead in a way to watch him playing for a team like that because if he was in our team yesterday, he'd have got a hatful. Instead, he was like feeding off long balls. He came off after an hour. It was just they they to me Wigan were. They got what they deserved in the end, to be honest. No, they did. As I said earlier, you can see why they've got results away from home because if they can play like that and frustrate teams, waste time, they've got some goals, goal scorers up front, they can they can nick some goals, can't they? But completely agree with you about Broadhead. Like, absolutely. It's just a, a waste, isn't it? A complete waste yeah. of him, his talent, his time. Like, he should have been, he should have been back here with us and he'd have played the last 10 games up front and he probably would have had 
five, six, seven goals and he'd be going to the World Cup, but made the wrong decision in August and he, he'd likely be staying at home in, in Wales come um, come November. Yeah, well, you know, not going to dwell on it too much. I just think, you know, broadhead to me, Phil, I, I was... Oh, I just, I just, it's just such a missed opportunity that it's like, a wrong team. Martin just yeah. said total he wrong team. Style at all. He just does nah. not fit Wigan at all. And when you look at his age, he's twenty four. He's coming up twenty five in about six months. Yeah, you know, this Wales team, we're going off track a little bit here, but this Wales team with Bale and leading the charge, I'd be surprised if they qualify for the next World Cup. By that point, he'll be nearly thirty. Yeah, and you look and you think this was this this was his best opportunity to play the World Cup, play for his country, you know, and they passed that up because they didn't fancy it. And yeah. what baffles me is that he went to Wigan because he he thought he couldn't get in ahead of Stewart and and Sims at the time. I think it was after that Bristol City game, wasn't it, where we they both yeah. scored. Yeah, but then you look at Wigan; they've got about seven strikers, and yeah. and, and <laughs> I'm just like I'm going well. You would have been scoring for fun in this team for if, us. If you look at him, right, you see, coming up at 25, he's played around 50 games professionally. Coming not up at 25, so he's been playing for seven years. And he's not he's not clocking up 10 games a season. And you compare that to Dennis yeah. Serkin, who was, what, 21, 20? So Dennis Serkin's yeah. 20, I'm just having a look here. And that was his 50th game yesterday. So already, yeah. you know, he's he's just... It's it's a frustrating one. It's like a an outfield version of Steve Harper, isn't it? Like he's just sat around <laughs> the Premier League club hoping he'll get a chance one day. Being promised who knows what, being terribly yeah. advised it seems by by his choice to go to Wigan, and like he he should have left Everton three years ago, and clocked up some games and. It's just. Nuts. I don't want to denigrate what Broadhead, you know, Broadhead's decision because obviously he made that decision for his own reasons, and I think it's fair enough that you respect that. But as you said, Gav, you know, if he'd have been, if he'd have been playing in this team with the likes of Pritchard feeding him, come on, I mean, he would have been banging him in for fun, as you said. You know, it would have been, he would have been easily in the shop window for the Wales World Cup squad. So it is a peculiar one, and I just wonder whether or not it's a comfort zone thing for him. Obviously, you know, playing in Wigan, it's not far from North Wales, it's not far from Liverpool, it's kind of in his area, if you like. Maybe that factored into his decision. Well, we'll probably never know, but you know it is a shame because I would have had him back here in a heartbeat. Oh, it's, it's just such, like, and that's the, the overriding thing. I just think it's such a missed opportunity for us to watch yeah. a player like that develop and get better and better in the team that we've got. And like, I, I think if he'd come here, he could have been a twenty goal a season striker for us for the next few seasons. Probably could have been. And it's, just, yeah. I, I'm just because I, I love watching him play. I think he's such a good player. He's got a beautiful touch. He glides across the field. He can score. Like he's such a good player. And for him to be. To, to see him yesterday having balls whacked up towards his head and over the top, like he was—he was just like a boy lost yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. We can't cry too much for Nathan Broadhead. We did all right. Um, second goal came with what about 15, 16 minutes from the end. I can't remember now. Um, but to to that point, we'd been great in the second half. Phil and we 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 done really yeah. well. Um, but it was a bit of quick thinking and also. Some bad officiating again, like I say, we'll come on to the ref. He deserves his own segment on this show. But it's funny watching the goal back. I didn't realise it at the time. But Roberts is fouled. The free kick is taken nowhere near where the foul is. Yeah, uh, I think it's 0-9, gives it to Pritchard. Pritchard plays a lovely early ball in the box. I think there's only there's only Cirkin there. But there's nobody was going to stop him from getting his head on it. He dove at it like a missile. And... Scored a great diving header, and you know something we haven't seen enough from him. He doesn't really 
get into the opposition box that often, but um, certainly he's obviously realised that he's placing the sides under threat and he needs to make an impression. He needs yeah. to add to his game, needs to do more going forward. And he certainly did that with that goal, didn't he? It was it was a, a good all-round goal, to be honest. Nice to see some quick thinking from a, a set-piece and nice to see him get on the score sheet for the first time. Without a doubt. I mean, it was real kind of in-where-it-hurts stuff from, from Cirque, you know, to dive in there, you know, with a goalkeeper right in your face and, you know, kind of going in there and taking a risk. But it was fantastic and it was and he deserved it, Gav, as well. You know, I think it was a performance yesterday from Cirque that really merited that goal. Um, and again, it, it just showed him taking responsibility and saying, OK, look, I'm going to make the gamble. I'm going to make the run. I'm going to go in where it hurts. As long as I get the ball in the back of the net, I'll take, you know, if I get clobbered on the way through, that's fine. I'll take that, you know. It's really, obviously, we do the on, on this day pieces for the website. I, I did one last week and there was a, a game from seven, or 72, I think. And there was a couple of diving headers scored in it. And as a kid, I remember diving headers were like pretty common. And you see players thundering through. I remember Billy Whitehurst, Scoring a cracking diving header at home in the Fulwell end against Leeds in about 1989. He seemed to come in like an excellent missile from <laughs> the edge of the box and just go through everybody to get the ball in the back of the net. And you, you rarely see diving headers these days. Now, I don't know what it is, whether it's you know people aren't prepared to get stuck in the head or there's a bit more concern about stuff like that. But like Serkin showed such great commitment to get there. There was absolutely yeah. nothing was going to stop him. And in his interview after the game, He'd made the point that a few minutes before Pritchard had put the ball over and he hadn't anticipated it and the ball had just sort of flashed across the face of the goal and Serkin had said to Pritchard, if you put the ball in there again, I promise you I'll get to it. And you could just see that commitment where the ball had come in. Serkin was already yeah. looking for it. Pritchard was already looking for Serkin and Serkin wasn't going to let anything get in the way of him getting getting his head in that ball, was he? Was a, a, I just hmm. love seeing that sort of commitment from players. And it's you know first goal for the club, fiftieth game for the club, great celebration. It was a really good moment. Yeah, it was. We'll talk about the ref then. Jesus wept. It wasn't <laughs> just for us. It was both teams, as I've just pointed out. I mean, the, he, he allowed the free kick to be taken for our second goal, miles from where the the actual foul was. But that was just one of many things that he did during the game. Really, I mean, you could go through, couldn't you, and and talk about them all in in depth. I guess. Um, we might need a separate podcast. The other one that sort of yeah, separate podcast. The other one which could have went out against us was the tackle from Embleton on I think it was White, wasn't it, in the first it was. half, which was dangerous. I've seen people walk for tackles like that, and the ref let that go. But he done nothing to deter Wigan really from wasting time up until we got that first goal. It was just constant. There was no warnings. There was, to, to me, I, I, I'm I'm saying this like I'm an expert, but I used to be a qualified referee, and if if I saw a player wasting time right at the start of the game, which to be honest didn't really happen that often in sort of Saturday Sunday football, but if that would happen, I would nip it in the bud early. I would say, right, come on, I can see what you're trying to do. Nip it in the bud. If it if it do, if they don't nip it in the bud, then I would be giving out yellow cards for for it straight away. I'd be I'd be showing them me authority I'd be saying come on we can't have a game flowing like this you can't be wasting time like you are which is all I mean if 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 he had it in his head he wasn't going to do that fair enough but then he books Patterson for time wasting when he didn't waste time and I'm like yeah. is this I couldn't believe it I couldn't believe it it was a really strange performance I think from him wasn't it because as you say the Embleton tackle I reckon I don't think that's a 100% red card but I think 6 or 7 times out of 10 that's a red so we'll probably go away with it there I thought yeah. Curtis Tilt, I think he'd already been booked for a foul on Roberts. And then yes. he fouled Roberts yeah. again, and the referee let play go on. 
And I think if he brought, he brought it back for a free kick there, he would have got a second yellow. Tilt in the second half took, oh, probably took about 60 or 70 seconds to take a throw in. And again, he could have, that, that was when it was 1-1 or 1-0 to, to them. And he could have easily been shown the yellow card then. I think Patterson got booked for probably taking the quickest goal kick of the the whole afternoon. If you, if you look at the well, wait, like if you look at like the amount of time both well the the um, the away keeper was taken. If you look at the amount of time Max Power uh, Max Power spent drying the bloody ball, and you know, whoever didn't seal those towels in the first half, we need to train the ball boys better because they should have been snatched away. Yeah. Shouldn't they? But it was just like it was so much time that they were wasting. Their keeper went down for cramp, and I'm not sure how he he got cramp. Because he didn't move a great deal. Like, it was just, it was just nuts, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the, it it was, it was obvious what was happening, and he done nothing about it. And then when he did do something about it, it wasn't time wasting. It was our player. It's <laughs> baffling. I mean, he gave not necessarily him. I guess his linesman gave the offside for that Robert's goal, which looked perfectly fine to me. Um, it was I guess too the tight to call. The line, but, it know. was too tight to call. And the, yeah, if the whole thing is you give, give the exactly, benefit yeah. of the doubt to the attacker, then you, you can't raise yeah. your flag there. It was just ridiculous refereeing yesterday, you know, from start to finish. And I know we've got a roundtable out at the moment on the website regarding the refereeing. I think Rich um, has actually said something in there about the standard of refereeing around the country, you know, plummeting, frankly. And there is something needs to be done, Gav, because it, it is week in, week out, we're seeing these appalling performances by referees. There's no consistency. They're, they're putting themselves at the centre of attention when they should be just getting on with their jobs quietly. And it's just not good enough, and it really has to be looked at as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. There was there was also on numerous occasions where we were getting fouled. It, it probably happened four or five times where we were fouled, and he blew his whistle immediately instead of letting play, play on. Yeah. We, we we saw the other side that the other week when Embleton scored, where the referee blew up before allowing us to play on, and we scored. It happened loads of times in this game again, where, yes, we were fouled, but we actually had the advantage. We were in decent positions down the... And, and to me... Like if you're the the team that's being fouled and you've still managed to work the ball wide or you've managed to get into a dangerous area, the referee has to let that play on because you haven't done anything wrong. He was bringing it back and giving us free kicks, blowing his whistle straight away. No advantage played, and then the opposite side of it was I was watching. It was mainly when Wigan were winning winning fouls. He was waiting like four or five seconds to blow the whistle. I'm go- I, there was just no consistency between the two two sort of teams when it came to his decision making. Um. Oh, and Andy booked Pritchard. Oh, that was just for ridiculous. Nout, and and it's a yellow card he shouldn't have got. It was nothing. It was an absolute nothing challenge. Like I'm just looking at the stats from yesterday. He gave um, 15 fouls against Wigan, and there was two yellow cards, and seven fouls against us, and three yellow cards. So there was a, a bit of a discrepancy yeah. in terms of the balance there. But as Phil said, this this isn't an isolated performance, is it? Like we're seeing no. every week the standard of refereeing in the championship. Is you know arguably worse than it was in, in League One, and you, you just struggle to believe that would be a, a possibility, would you? Last season, and I, I don't know what it is. Is it you know referees are relying on VAR too much in the Premier League, so they think that's how it is, but that doesn't impact how you you let play go on or blow up for a foul or the speed that you do that, like or how you punish time wasting. And it's you mm. know I know I know a number of managers have, have commented about it all season, haven't they? It's just it's impacting the quality of the game. You know, we've yeah. seen at the stadium. Right? You know, it was was it the, the Preston game, wasn't it, where the ball was actually in play for forty odd minutes throughout the whole the whole ninety. And then, um, yeah. you know, something's you know the referees' association has to obviously take the the lead on it, haven't they? Because it's just not 
it's not good for the game as, as a whole. It's not about us no. getting a free kick here or there. It's about the quality of football across the, the board, really, and it's it's not it's not conducive to it. No. The worrying thing is is that Keith Stroud is a Premier League referee. <laughs> that was a Premier League referee we had yesterday, yeah. and he was dreadful. I mean, Mowbray, it's the first time I've ever heard him mention referees, and even he said after the game, he said, he basically said what I said, you know, it was obvious early in the game what was going on, and he said we could have done with a bit of help from the officials to stop the, the player being slowed down, yeah. and we got no protection in that regard. It's not just about protecting the players in terms of fouls and tackles and stuff. It's actually protecting the integrity of the game. Like, to me, it needs to be a fair occasion. If there's team, teams, there's a bit of the dark arts going on, then fair enough. We, we, it, it happens in every game, but it was excessive, and he'd done nothing about it. And you're right, Martin. I'm, I'm worried. I'm actually worried that... I mean, this has been every week. Like, how many... This could cost us points, the amount of... T- it's particularly at the Stadium of Light, refs are coming there and it's like a big occasion for them or something. And the, I don't know what it is. I, ca- I can't explain it. I can't put my finger on it. We, we were trying to talk about it after the game of coming away from the stadium. My brother-in-law was talking about it with us and he was like, you know, is it... Are they just wanting their moment in the spotlight or something? Like, I, I don't get it. It's bizarre. What What's really frustrating is, you know, a lot of calls and refereeing are judgment calls, aren't there? You know, the offside yesterday was a judgment call. Fouls, generally yeah. judgment calls. Time wasting is is one of the few things that are really factual in terms of how much time is he taking to take that goal kick, to take that throw in. And, you know, there should be some sort of limit. And I'm sure there is unofficially a limit that you've got. You've got 20 seconds to take a throw in. You've got 20 seconds, uh, however long it is, once you've got it set up. There, there must be something that they, they work to, to judge it. Because otherwise, how, how on earth can you you judge it with any clarity. So the fact that you've got these situations that should be relatively factual calls and there's such inconsistency to it and, you know, it's the sort of stuff that does ruin games to watch. And, you know, you're not only mm. compromising the integrity of the, the game, but you're compromising the entertainment, the enjoyment, the, the spectacle. And, you know, that's got a whole, whole other ramifications longer term if they don't actually sort it out. So, Something desperately needs to be done. I think you know it's it's not only us talking about it. It's it's a common thing, as we said. It's a common thing throughout yeah. the championship this season, and you know it's got to come to a head soon. Yeah, but we can breathe, Phil, can't we? We we got the win. The ref didn't cost us the no. three points. Um, we we saw the rest of the game out, and it's like I said at the start of the game. I thought there was a lot hinging on this because just the mood of the fan base. If we had a lost. Especially with White scoring that goal, if it had finished one nil, God, no, we we'd have been sat here really depressed right now. But yeah. the lads done what they did quite often last season. They came from behind, they got a late goal, they didn't give up, and now it's a. It, it we can look forward. We've had a naff run of results, but there's no sugar coating it. We haven't been getting battered, but we we've struggled to pick up wins. Um, last weekend was probably the worst performance of the season. We had to respond. We did, and. When you look at the fixtures we've coming up, we really needed to win this one. I think, regardless of the fact Wigan were, we haven't, we haven't mentioned it. Wigan, by the way, had the best away form of any team in the championship up until the point they played us. So it was never going to be simple, but we had to win this one. I think, and we did. And we've got a couple of hard games coming up. We have got Blackburn on Tuesday, but it it just gives Mowbray and the players a bit of breathing space, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And I think that obviously, you know, with with recent results and performances being the way they have. You know, it was our first real wobble, as we said earlier on in the, in, in the podcast. It was our first real spell since getting promoted to the championship, where 
maybe questions were starting to be asked just a little bit. I'm not saying that people were turning or anything like that, because certainly I thought the fans yesterday were back in the team, certainly where I was sitting, back in the team throughout the game, which was excellent. Um, but yesterday was the first time since we've been promoted at the stadium like where the players, I felt, were under a little bit of real pressure. You know, obviously, if you look at the games against, say, the likes of Norwich, for example, you know, where they're effectively a Premier League team, you can give them a bit of leeway, et cetera, et cetera. But yesterday was, I think, the kind of game where we really wanted the players to deliver. And they did, you know, and, and they showed that resilience that's kind of characterised this team for a long time now, Gav. You know, they've this team doesn't fall, they don't crumble. And I have to say, you know, if you look at the difference between the team now and the team that, you know, stumbled their way through the championship in 2718 under Grayson and Coleman, it's night and day. You know, the team spirit's much stronger. Everybody's fighting for each other. There's unity. Everybody's on side. So, yeah, that's going to set them in really good stead. But it was a big win. Um, and I think, again, you know, we're in a much better position in the league now. Confidence will be high going into Tuesday and then against Burnley on Saturday. And, yeah, I think we've ridden that storm, if you like, and we've come out the other side. So, hopefully, we can kick on again now. It's funny mm. how you kind of perceive the, the run that we've had, isn't it? Because... Obviously, the, the two home games that we had that we didn't score, and obviously we've got those obvious problems up, up front with Stuart and Sims being out. So you kind of go, that's, you know, that's two points dropped in both those games. But, you know, Preston, after they played us, Preston went away at Norwich and won. After we played Blackpool, Blackpool beat Watford, and then they had a, a cracking game against Sheffield United on Saturday, a pretty eventful game, that they, they picked up a point away at Sheffield United. So, you know, that, that point at home at Preston, point at home against Blackpool, aren't the worst results at all in the world but as you say to get a win against Wigan to take us into this next run of games before the World Cup away at Blackburn on, on Tuesday at home to Burnley on Saturday which is going to be a really big test for us it's really good and you know it's a, it'll give the lads confidence gives us confidence to go into those two games off the back of picking three points up and as you say if we'd if we'd come away from Saturday's game losing 1-0 to a Charlie White goal the, the, the mood going into those two fixtures is, is vastly different to how it is is now isn't it Hmm. Well, we'll think we'll wrap things up there. We've had a we've had a good chat today. Thankfully, the referee didn't spoil things. We enjoyed watching Sunderland win another game in the championship. Up to ninth in the table gives us a good platform to kick on from here, as we've said. And Blackburn on Tuesday is the next game, so make sure you catch RotorReport.SBNation.com. All our social media feeds we've been ramping it up across the board there, so there's plenty of content for you leading into that game. It just leaves me to say thank you very much, Phil. Thanks, Gav. Appreciate it. And cheers, Martin, for joining us. Cheers, mate. Cheers. And uh, thanks to the listeners for, for joining us also. We'll be back probably after Blackburn. We'll catch you later. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.